0: Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Cape Lookout Fishing Report with Captain Chris Sice of Not The Real World. How you doing, Chris? Hey
1: Marvin, I'm doing alright. How are you?
0: I'm getting there as always, and we wanted to bring you back, even though you really haven't been on the water, because you've had a pretty eventful month uh, on on the non-fishing front that's kind of kept you from talking to all, to all of our listeners. Yeah, unfortunately
1: I've had a uh, little bout with COVID, which uh went fairly smoothly, but I did quarantine and kind of stay away from everybody, so I didn't pass it along to anybody else. Um, and then uh, more recently, I fell off the bow of my boat in a parking lot and fractured, broke, splintered, all the things, uh, three ribs. So I've been um, laying in bed a lot and uh, trying to recover from that. I've been able to move.
0: Yeah, never a good thing when the uh, orthopedist tells you that you have a very unique way that you've broken your ribs.
1: Yeah, that was that was a, a, a an eyebrow raising uh, comment that she made. And she showed me the splinters, and they kind of like stick out like barbs off the fishing hook, almost. So she said that doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, well, lucky you. So you know what we thought we would do. You're you're hoping to get back on the water here in about a week, um, but yeah. in the meantime, you and I talked about something that. You know, we always think we've talked about it enough, um, but something always happens. And we're not saying that anybody that was on your boat did anything wrong, um, but it just comes up and to talk about basically uh, etiquette and dealing with a guide and what to think about when you're booking a guide and fishing from a boat.
1: Sure, absolutely. So um, there's just kind of a couple of things to keep in mind that when you reach out to a fishing guide, uh, most notably to... Let them know specifically what you are looking for in terms of a fishery. Um, you know, you could have uh, a, a type of a fish that you want to catch or a type of fish you want to catch in a specific way or if you want to learn how to do something or something of that nature. Definitely pass that along to them up front and let them know. But be aware that uh, the conditions or the situation or, or the area that you're fishing may not be, Conducive to what you're looking for. So, um, letting them know up front about what exactly you would like to do is very, very helpful to the guide. Um, and then to be kind of just open is that, like, if you're on a vacation down here in uh, Moorhead City, where I'm located, at you want to chase Spanish mackerel, but the big blow that just came through has pushed them all off, well, you may not be able to catch Spanish mackerel. Really. So, uh, just being willing to be flexible with the guide so they can put you on the most amount of fish possible for the best day um, is is definitely very helpful um, but just a couple other things is to expect to put down a deposit um, and with that deposit that's generally when a guide will uh, reach out to you and let you know if the trip isn't able to go due to weather so that's up to the guides discretion um, and most guides depending on you, know, you can ask about well, be you gotta cancel for weather you've got about a year uh, or so to to rebook that trip is generally how that deposit works um, so those are just a couple things uh, to keep in mind when you're booking with a guide um, also remember that a lot of guides kind of survive off of tips so that's another thing and, and people sometimes ask well how much do you tip a fishing guide um, oftentimes you kind of compare it to a restaurant if you go to a nice restaurant you get served well and uh, like the waiter for five minutes total out of two hours or so, uh, most people tip twenty percent. Think about that guy who's out there working all day, uh, polling or pushing around, teaching you various things you can use essentially for a lifetime. Uh, different tips and tricks and whatnot. Um, in terms of the amount of money that you you want to tip on, in that regard, if that makes any sense,
0: yeah, it does. And then the other thing I would add to that is, you know. Um, I think, and some people kind of lose sight of this, you know, guides can work very, very hard for you and do everything possible to put you on fish and you may not catch fish or you may not catch, oh. right. Or you may not catch as many fish as you think. And sometimes that's on the angler, right. Cause you maybe weren't really honest about how you cast. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's called fishing and not catching. And so I would always encourage people, you know, when they ask me for that kind of advice is to really, ask yourself did the guide do everything humanly possible to put you on fish and if the answer is yes then you need to take care of
1: them absolutely and yeah with that i mean we have days out here you know that I this summer you go on a bluebird day there's no wind and we're, we're looking for cruising reds on the flat and they will just refuse a fly or a spoon or anything like that every single time and it just happens i i a couple days like that this summer where uh, either fishing with friends or clients, they look at me and they go, why won't they eat it? I go, I don't know. They're literally putting it on their nose and they would just spook or push off or whatever. We try spin gear, we try everything. And unfortunately it just sometimes happens that even happens to the guides on the day off on our day off or fishing at times as well. Um, but you make a great point there with, um, quote unquote, I want to say like it's the angler's fault in the voice. Um, but oftentimes, um, it's really, really good to be as honest as possible up front with the guide, with your experience. Um, you know, if you've been out fly fishing five or six times and it's only been in some mountain streams in Western North Carolina, uh, don't call and say, Hey, I've been fly fishing for six years and, uh, you know, I'm really, really good. Um, let me know that you just been fishing for five or six times out, not mountain trout fishing, because it can definitely affect the type of trip that we go on in a saltwater environment and what I might need to do to help you out on the boat in terms of uh, casting ability and, and, and getting that fly in front of the fish to have the most successful day. So being as upfront and as honest as possible. and We don't care how much your experience you've got. You don't have to have a lot of experience. In fact, I obviously like taking beginners uh, more often than not. Um, but it, it, it definitely can be uh, useful to have that information up front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say too particularly for saltwater fishing, you got to practice your casting and then, you know, the other thing and you know, Chris, you and I have talked about this in the past is, you know, if you if you've never been saltwater fishing, you know, generally the way it's going to work is you're going to some if there're two of you, one of you is going to be in the bow fishing and the guide's usually back on the polling platform calling out uh, a distance and a clock face off the bow. And um, you know, one thing I like to do when I go out is to basically you know, say to the guy, this is what I think 40 or 50 feet looks like at 11 o'clock, just to give the guide an opportunity to one, um, make sure that we have the same clock face, because I've seen it before where the guide's using a, you know, he's basically working the clock off the platform and not the bow of the boat. And also, you know, some people are better at guessing distance than other people. So if you tell him what you think 50 feet looks like and it's short and he needs to tell you to go for 60 to get his 50, you know that at the beginning of the day.
1: It's that is that is super super helpful and a great point is identifying how you guys want to communicate throughout the day. So you know, saying hey, that is sixty feet. Let me go ahead and make that that cast, and also doing a couple false casts or a cast uh, for the guide so we can uh, see your ability. Um, but yeah, a lot of these lines now, particularly the Rio line, I noticed they they come with a different color taper um, where the line gears from the running line to the uh, head. And so you can measure that out and say, okay, this is exactly like the Rio redfish line I use. Is 37 feet of the blue before it changes to yellow. And I'll point that out to my client and say, today, we're rarely going to be having any yellow line in your cast. So that gives you an idea of the distance of it. Now think about it, seven or eight feet or a liter on top. So that can really, really help. Um it is, it is crucial to be on the same page with the clock. Knowing the clock is super, super, super helpful. Um, being able to double haul is helpful, but it's not completely necessary. I take clients all the time that can't double haul and I can help teach them to do it. Um, but also being aware of your line management is super, super helpful. Um, just in terms of like stepping on a line, which is something you see a lot of folks do that they don't think about. Um, Paying attention to what that line is doing when it's around your feet or if you're stripping it into the stripping bucket, um, is super helpful to, you know, get that fly out there and have the most success with the guide. Cause we can point that fish out to you all day long, but if you've got it in a big knot, you're wrapped around your ankle, uh, something like that, we can't do anything to make that fish stop and stop moving. So being, practicing that, being aware of that is, is also very, very important.
0: Yeah, I think it's almost more important to uh, practice the line control over the casting, right? Um, Because, I mean, I see a lot of people get messed up. And when I say practice your line control, if you're at home on the grass, you know, understand, like, how to manage, say, 60 feet of line uh, and how you're going to have to hold your fly because it's so different from trout fishing. You know, this isn't where you're seeing a riser and he's rising in the same spot and you just get to pick your moment. You know, you've got a fish moving across the bow of the boat. And if you take too long, you won't be able to cast to him.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Getting the getting the fly out there with some speed in saltwater environment is super, super important. Um, these fish are moving; and they only really give you a shot for a couple seconds, particularly in like car where they're swimming around at fifteen miles an hour underneath the water. Um, so you've got to be able to get that fly aerialized and get it out there quickly, um, as well as accurately. And accuracy is more important. You, saltwater than, than distance in my opinion for a lot of the fishing that I do. Distance is important, but if you can place it well, you're more likely to catch fish than just to bomb it as far as you possibly can. Um, one trick that, that I've mentioned to nearly everybody that steps foot on my boat um, or folks that I'm teaching to cast is when I make that final forward cast, instead of just letting go with your line hand, which most people are casting with their right arm and they just let the line go when they shoot it out there, uh, you'll see the line oftentimes wraps around the rod or around the real handle or things like that. Take your fingers and turn them into a circle instead of completely releasing the line. What that does, it makes your hand into essentially another guide. So that line is shooting out. You've got control of it. It's spinning through your finger and then it's essentially going into a cone down to the first guide and then out the rest of the guide. Out. And, if you do it properly, you will be able to have that line over your index finger that's on your rod hand, ready to strip the fly in by the time that fly lands on the water. So that's a, a trick that is exceptionally helpful with regards to line management. It's very, very easy to do. It will actually add a couple feet to your cast, and it will save you so many headaches of looking down and seeing the line wrap around the butt of your fly rod uh, as the red takes your fly and, and bolts off and then breaks the tip
0: <laughs> yeah and the other great thing too is you know your guide can coach you all the flies in the air to drop it and you can just pinch the line and drop the fly right you, you
1: can't do that yes yeah so if you making that circle with your index finger and thumb is is a trick that I wish somebody had taught me when I was learning how to fly cast uh, and I picked it up years ago and every fly casting lesson I've done since then in the past 10 or 12 years I teach those folks to to utilize that because it's it's just super super helpful
0: yeah there you go and you know uh, folks uh, we love questions on the articulate fly chris is going to be back on the water soon if you email them to us or shoot him to us on our facebook or instagram page i'll send you some articulate fly swag and you'll get into a drawing for some flies from chris at the end of the season and you know to help you kind of reload the pipeline uh chris why don't you let folks know where they can find you so they can book you and get on your guide calendar
1: Sure, they can catch me at www.nottherealworld.com. That's not with a K. It's spelled K N O T T H E R E E L W R R L D. Nottherealworld.com. And it's the same Instagram theme, uh, I at NotTherealworld. You can find me on there. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me. More than happy to have any answer any questions or talk about guiding or, or be a client or what the fish
0: is like yeah there you go and you know folks i always say fall is my favorite time to get out on the water so you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few tight lines everybody tight lines chris
1: thanks marvin